welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is with Steve Hofstetter, comedian over in the US. Always lovely to talk to another comedian, especially because I feel like sometimes we have similar brain waves or similar ways that our brain works, at least, and links that it makes automatically because of the process of writing jokes and writing stand-up comedy. So we talk about his divorce, which was a few years ago, talk about his niece discovering he was divorced on Wikipedia before he was able to tell her and also the whole thing of going through a breakup in the public eye. Enjoy this one and we have a few laughs as well. I am joined by comedian Steve Hofstetter. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. How does it feel me saying to you, welcome to The Divorce Social? I tend to get along better with divorced people because... Divorced people have learned some of the most important lessons in life. One, that it ain't a fairy tale. And two, that there's nothing wrong with life not being a fairy tale. And there are still people who go through a divorce and don't learn a damn thing from it. But I think that people who learn that, the earlier in life you can learn that, the better off you're going to be. That's so interesting. I was having this conversation with someone recently. Obviously, I'm divorced and I only speak to other divorced people now. That's the rule. Um, <laughs> Would it be so, so weird you. if you hosted this podcast and you weren't divorced? You're like, I'm just planning for the future. <laughs> I think it would be really useful, actually. Loads of people listen who aren't divorced and they're like, oh, my God, I know so much now if I ever yeah. get married and then divorced. But I was talking to someone about this fairy tale idea the other day and we were talking about the idea that love conquers all. And I used to believe that was true. And now, post-divorce, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's utter garbage. There's a lot <laughs> that love will lose to, a great deal. What is the fairy tale idea of 
marriage and divorce that you've kind of disproven now? The lie that gets fed to us, and I don't know, you know, how much of this is cultural. And it's interesting to, you know, be an American talking to someone from the UK, because maybe we were raised differently. I don't know. But the fairy tale is the idea of the white picket fence, 2.3 children, everything's going to be great. You're going to support each other on every endeavor. And like, that's just simply not possible. Also, I don't ever want 0.3 of a kid. That really sounds like a tragedy. (laughs) So the idea of this incredible, perfect life, life isn't that. Life is a series of tragedies that we are able to deal with because of the good moments. And that's something that we're not really taught. I feel like that's a very comedian's view on life. I am (laughs) a comedian, a series of tragedies that I could write material about. But it is. It's something where... Like, just in the last couple of weeks, my dog passed. I, I got COVID. You know, like, it was... Oh, my God, I'm sorry. Thank you. I appreciate that. But at the same time, I'm also, like, I just recorded a new special, and a book that I had been working on for a year is coming out. And there were, like, some very exciting moments, and then also some horrible things. But that is what life is, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that a lot of people, you know, we feed our children this myth of that everything is going to be great. And like, oftentimes it's not, but the great moments in between that punctuate it make it okay. Yeah, life is like wading through shit. And every so often (laughs) there's a positive step stone. And you're like, yay, I'm out of the shit. No, no, jumping back in now. Yeah. And the look, the older we get, the more tragedy we go through, the more people in our lives pass away, the more our heroes pass away, just because you, you end up knowing more people, you end up caring about more people like someone recently posted something about how affected they were by both Betty White and Bob Saget's death and how and it was a really upsetting post it was a really like you know life is terrible blah 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 and I responded to it and I said life is beautiful because you wouldn't be affected if it wasn't you wouldn't care that these people you've never met died if they didn't give beauty into the world so it's it's all about perspective. And I love Betty White, fellow divorcee, and she had no children, just like me, but still rocked her life. So I like that. Absolutely. So let's delve into the divorce. How long ago did it happen? How many years in a year? It's about five and a half, a little over five and a half now. Looking back to that first year, because I always view my first year after divorce as like a complete blur of like what was I doing with my life it was all just emotion looking back now do you remember that year or those first few months and how do they appear in your memory oh I I remember pretty much all of it you know there were some extremely sad moments but it it was also there were some affirming moments where I knew it was the right choice you know one of the things about being in a couple and this is true no matter how the support how supportive the couple is is in a way you're responsible for both your happiness and theirs because it's very hard to be happy when your partner is unhappy. And so there was this moment, um, the moment that I realized it was the right choice was when I got divorced, I was supposed to, I had a gig that weekend uh, that was about a six hour drive for me. And I know that's a weird thing to say to someone in the UK because that's, you know, another country, (laughs) but it was a six hour drive. And then uh, the following weekend, I had a gig I was supposed to fly to. And so we had decided, and we we weren't sure if we were going to get divorced yet. We knew we were separating, and we were 
trying to figure it out. And so the idea was that instead of flying back in between, I would just hit the road for three weeks straight and kind of have this break. And so I'm driving and I took uh, I took my dog with me. And at the time he was dealing with a lot of uh, like allergies and I wasn't sure what they were. And so he had a very, very expensive diet while I was trying to figure out what he was allergic to because he had like this very simple food where it was like, you know, two ingredients. And so a box of his food cost $100. And wow, I, yeah, it was really over the top and not something <laughs> that I would necessarily have done. But, you know, that was something my ex was felt it was important to her. And I, I had agreed. And so I had a box of his food and then I had a spare box for when that one ran out. And there was one day that I was repacking the car and, you know, outside of some dumb hotel and I got to the next city and I couldn't find the spare box of his food. And I realized, oh my God, I left it on the curb. And then I realized, oh, and that's over. There's nothing I can do. I can't go back and get it. I can't, you know, call the hotel and be like, hey, you know, about a block away from your hotel where I park, do you want to go run over <laughs> there and see if there's a box that you could then mail to me? Like, I was just like, you know what, I lost it and it sucks, but that is the end of it because you don't have to deal with the, you don't have to help someone else process their anguish at a mistake. You can just own your own mistake. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be okay. And it's such a silly minor detail but I think that that is true for a lot of us, that the, the realization doesn't come from this grandiose, oh, I was standing on the edge of a cliff looking out into the ocean. And then I like, no, I was in Indiana on the side of the road realizing that like, oh, yeah, I made the right choice. So losing some gourmet dog food. <laughs> losing, losing gourmet <laughs> dog food. It was just the realization that like sometimes it's OK to be alone. You know, sometimes it's okay to, because you can process your emotions. And part of it is, you know, I, I think people tend to be more healthy in a second marriage because the lessons they learned from not only being in that first marriage, but it ending, I think helps someone become a lot healthier. I'm a better, more well-adjusted person than I was. And I'm, I'm friendly with my ex and, you know, and we joke that like we made each other a better catch afterward. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like I'm a better catch now because I've learned a lot about myself. Yeah. I'm interested in these weeks. So you say that you weren't sure if you were going to break up. And it's funny, I had a similar thing. So me and my ex had that initial conversation of, oh, you know, things aren't great. What are we going to do about it? And then I went away for work for a week on my own. It was actually to work on the script of Magic Mike Live London with Channing Tatum. As we all do when we get divorced. Go you had gourmet dog food. I had Channing Tatum. Like everyone needs that one thing. Yeah. By the way, if there's anything that will spur on a divorce for someone, it's hanging out with Channing Tatum. <laughs> I, I feel like he wasn't that bothered, but maybe deep down inside. So I was in LA for a week and like doing all this work. And then obviously in my downtime thinking, Am I going to leave my marriage? How was that for you kind of working? And because I was working on script, but I imagine that performing and obviously being funny and bringing joy to people when you're going through turmoil might be quite difficult. That's actually the funniest that I am, I think. Um, <laughs> the probably the best show I ever had was well before my divorce. I was I was living with a girlfriend different. There's a different person. I was in Winnipeg in January, which is miserable 
no matter what your relationship status. But we broke up 10 minutes before I had to go on stage. And yeah, that was probably the best show I've ever done because my emotions were so raw and I needed it. Now, part of it, it was a good crowd. And once they laughed at the open, like once they laughed at the first joke, I was like, okay, I'm comfortable again. And it was just this like catharsis of performing. I used to host a television show where most of my hosting was ad lib and like most of it was basically crowd work. And I had to do that less than 24 hours after I found out my dad passed. And it was something where like, as soon as it ended, boy, did I cry, but I crushed that night. And it was just because I needed to. It's so interesting. I, I, I'm i sorry to hear about your dad. My dad died just before my wedding. I found out on my hendo. Couldn't oh make God. it up. Yeah. But just after my dad died, I was due to do this like panel discussion about comedy. And I didn't want to cancel it. And it was like a few days later. And I was like, I'm just going to go and not tell anyone. And then obviously I ended up just talking about my dad dying for like the whole thing. (laughs) Not about comedy writing at all. But it's the same. I like smashed it. I was hilarious at this panel. I wasn't even there to be, you know, funny. We were meant to be discussing. But it is that. I wonder if it's something about the rejection you feel, even with a death, you know, or the breakup, the rejection you feel, and then you're getting something from the audience that is filling that hole for a minute. I think that's interesting. That's a that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's just because I become a little more bitter, and that's funny. Um, <laughs> when I was in college, before I was a comic, we had a Valentine's Day formal, and my date brought a date. Like, I had asked her out a couple weeks before, and she didn't tell me until just before the event that she had a boyfriend. <laughs> so I thought we were, like, going on a date, but she just wanted to go to the party. And then he showed up under the guise of, like, oh, I was just walking by. And I'm like, really? Because this is out of the way from where you said you were to where you live. So no, you weren't just walking by. But anyway, I was, I remember that night very well because I was, I was just fucking hilarious that night because I was so mad. I think the way that comics process grief and process anger and is to laugh through it. (laughs) And I think that that's, what happened after the divorce as well. Is it a useful way to process it or is it just the way we do it? Oh, oh, it's terribly unhealthy. No, it is. <laughs> I actually do think it's a it's a very useful way. I firmly believe that crying and laughing are next to each other on the wheel and there is a dotted line that separates them. And I, I'll take laughing over crying any day. I don't know, though. Sometimes a cry is really nice when you have a big sob. I actually find that a, that a good cry helps when, and this is a weird thing to say, when you're, what you're crying about doesn't matter as much. When you are crying about something that's just as bad as soon as you stop crying, the cry didn't really help at all. It's a breath, but it didn't solve anything. Whereas like, if you cry because you're feeling the weight of the world or because, you know, like something like that, where there isn't an actual awful thing, it's just how you feel. I think that's a good cry. But when it's something where it's like you're crying because you just lost someone important to you 
and then you stop crying, you get your shit together, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just I'm in the exact same place I was in before, but now my now my shirt's wet. <laughs> now I'm dehydrated. Yeah, exactly. Now now <laughs> I, I'm in that place, but I also need a cough drop. How is this better? <laughs> yeah, my sister used to steal my nail varnish when we were younger and paint like the outside of the bottle with the nail varnish in the bottle, then screw the lid on, and then it would all get stuck and you could never use it again. And crying about something like that is a real satisfying cry of letting yeah. out all that anger and frustration. But yeah, crying on my hen do when I found out my dad died wasn't as satisfying. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't make the party better. No, although I would suggest, you know, everyone should have a butler in the buff just before they find out someone in their family has died because it does lift the mood. Well, I, I mean, I'll, you probably wouldn't do much for me, but... <laughs> well, you never know. They can serve you nice food. <laughs> I would not eat food at a strip club. It wasn't a strip club. We'd hired a flat and the butler in the buff came to the flat. So he was wearing a little apron, but his buttocks were out. So he didn't provide the food. No. That's the important part. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, every strip club has a buffet. And I'm just like, but why? Why would you do that to yourself? That's... Wait, what? I didn't know this about strip clubs. Yeah, I, I mean, buffets. I shouldn't I shouldn't say every, but it's uh, there was a time in, and I don't know if this is still going on. Thankfully, I'm past the point in my career where I have to know this. <laughs> but there was a time, especially in New York, there was a thing that was called the 60-40 law, which was basically no more than 60% of any establishment could be devoted to adult entertainment. And so all these strip clubs in New York would have either, like some of them would have like a, a billiards room and some of them were like, well, let's in the other room, let's do comedy. And that'll be, that'll be the solution. <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you, if there's one group of people that wants to be interrupted by comedy, it is people who came to see naked women. So I've probably done seven or eight shows at at strip clubs, it's awful. And then there's just a buffet at the back. Yep. And the manager was always, you know, just like, oh, and you know, if you want to grab some dinner, I'm like, no, I'm totally, no matter how poor I was, no matter how hungry I was, I was like, I know better than this. No, I'm not going to do it. In the UK, we sometimes call like a little buffet spread finger food. Oh my God. In America. Um, I, we, it seems we, particularly apt for those gigs, <laughs> finger food. We don't really use the term. I like We're familiar with it. We don't use the term. Yeah. But that was, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever um, wanted to eat fingering food. Or finger food, sorry. My, <laughs> my apologies. It's interesting you were talking about strip clubs, though, because when I got divorced, I was in the London stage show of Magic Mike. So I was surrounded by 15 semi-naked professional dancers. And people were saying to me during that show, I did it for 18 months and it was literally, I got divorced, I had a week of crying in my bed where I didn't shower. And then I went into rehearsals for the show and then I performed it for 18 months. And people were saying to me, oh my God, you're living your best kind of divorced woman life. But actually it wasn't what I wanted at all at that time. I just wanted to like have a quiet time in a you know yoga studio or something rather than sexy times well i'd imagine it was probably a little quick on that like you know maybe, maybe you need a couple of weeks but i do think that you know there is the whole rebound thing and and you know po post-divorce dating certainly distracted me from it a bit but i of course wasn't well adjusted right away 
you know, it took a bit for me to actually find my footing and, and be adjusted. But one of the important things is understanding that, like, because the fear when you get divorced, I think for a lot of people is, assuming you're not someone who is constantly cheating on your spouse, I think the fear is, is anyone going to find me attractive again? You know, I was with this one person for a considerable amount of time. I mean, my relationship was over seven years. And so now here I am much older and not necessarily understanding dating and it's, I'm rusty and, you know, et cetera. And am I going to spend the rest of my life alone? And I think that that's a fear that a lot of people have. And so when you go on those first couple dates where people are interested, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, the first person who shows interest and like actually fancies you and you think they're quite nice as well. It's like a <laughs> sunlight through the clouds on your face moment. Yes. How did you adjust? So you're a stand-up comedian. You're still gigging and stuff. Was there anything you put in place at that time to help you? Did you throw yourself into work? You know, I, I got married in a world before dating apps. And so that was a huge change for me. The idea of navigating that and understanding like, okay, what, who are, how do you tell if someone's insane quickly? How do you tell if someone's a catfish? How do you tell if someone's a bot? How do you tell if someone's using pictures from 10 years ago? You know, like there were a lot of those things that you have to learn. And so I had a buddy who was, who was single and he kind of like showed me how to use the apps. And then it was funny because a couple months later, um, one of my best friends got divorced and I did that for him where I was like, okay, here's, here's, you know, just be like, all right, Tinder's a shit show. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get you on something respectable. And I remember my first date after I got divorced, I was like excited. Cause I'm like, oh, this pretty girl seems really into me. And then like, we went out to get something to eat and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like her though. Like, I don't. I don't think I like her as a person. And I had to make that decision of like, on one hand, I feel very alone and very unloved and, you know, and, and unattractive. And on the other hand, like, I don't like this person. So I made what I think is the respectable decision of being like, you know what, I will match with someone else. <laughs> I, you know, I wished her the best. But that date did help me be like, oh, yeah, I, I am still in control. That's a real marker for everyone going through that period because I remember initially I was just like yeah just attention I'll have a snog sure you seem yeah. terrible but you want to snog me let's go and then yeah at some point you get to the stage where you're like I'd quite like to have a conversation with you though as well yeah so it sounds like you got there early so congrats I, I appreciate that but you know it's not there were bumps in the road of course and and also you you know, I'm an optimist and I tend to try to see the best in people. And, you know, sometimes I was certainly wrong. But, you know, you you live and you learn. And that's part of it. That's another lesson, I think, from divorce is that you are the protagonist in your own story. And a lot of times, in you know, we're taught in relationships that, you know, you need to compromise, you need to compromise, you need to compromise. And that's true. But what you don't need to do is sacrifice. And I think a lot of people mistake those for each other. Compromise is equal. Compromise is two people coming together. It's not one person giving up on what they want out of life for the other person's happiness. And, you know, and that's part of what you were saying earlier about the love conquers all is kind of garbage. Learning the difference between compromise and sacrifice was very important. I think the, the clearest 
I can illustrate that with is, you know, if two people want to go get something to eat and, you know, one of them wants to get Chinese food and the other one wants to get Italian and you go, okay, well, we can't go to a place that has both be like, so let's find a cuisine that we both like, not, Hey, I know you're allergic to dairy. So you're just going to come with me, get Italian food and get plain pasta. That's sacrifice as opposed to compromise. I like that. I had a lot of food arguments in my marriage, actually. (laughs) This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. Uh, You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. I just wanted to go back to what you said about, you know, your friend helped you on the dating apps and then you helped someone else. How did it feel to suddenly be the person who was doing the helping and and you're suddenly this dating guru? Did it feel like a bit of a marker in your recovery? It did. And it's something that, you know, I had one friend who got divorced who felt really awful about it. In the beginning, he was very, very sad for a couple months. And now he refers to it as the best gift she ever got him because he's just much happier than he was. And they were just better off not being together. And being able to teach those lessons to friends, I think, does help. There's one person who's a friend of mine who was supposed to be like a business contact, but on our first call, it came up and we started talking about it and he was facing it and clearly scared. And then we went through this whole thing and we ended up talking for four hours. 
and you know I was able to kind of walk them through everything and there's there's a bunch of little bits of advice that I've gotten from people through mine that I can give to other people now. I think the two biggest things is one a realization I had this is something you have to tell someone before they even get married which is don't get married to someone you wouldn't be willing to get divorced from. Divorce does happen, it's fairly common. And if you have a relationship where you're like, yeah, we fight a ton, but the passion's amazing. It's like, what's divorce going to be? Because that's going to be a nightmare. And then, and I was very lucky in that my ex is someone who is a kind, upstanding person. And so we're just not each other's people. The other thing, and this is just logistical advice I got from a friend, which I very much believe is important. When you're getting divorced, do everything you can to get everything settled before the other person starts dating again. Even if you have to compromise on some things that you want from, you know, when you're splitting up assets or, you know, rights to things or et cetera, because as soon as they start dating someone, they will have a person in their ear who they appreciate, who hates you. And you need to get things settled with that person before they're getting advice from someone who wants you dead. <laughs> wow, that ended in a real impact. But no, yeah, but totally. Because I, I didn't do that. And also I feel like when the other person kind of gets that person in their ear, that new someone, it also means their priorities change and they feel that sort of safe unit again. So it's not, they're not sort of thinking about your past relationship anymore. They're thinking like, what can I get? for this new life that I'm embarking on. And even if the person that you've divorced is a wonderful person, the person that they're with, and you know, I uh, obviously it's hyperbole to say wants you dead, but they want you out of the picture. They want you to not exist, but you need to settle things before they're listening to someone who frankly doesn't like you. Um, one of the things that was a little ridiculous was there was someone that she saw, I think she went out with once or twice, like not even, it wasn't a real relationship or anything. Um, after we divorced, who I guess was pissed off that, because she and I hadn't been public about it yet. And so he went in and changed my Wikipedia to say that I was divorced. And that is how my niece found out. Oh my gosh. Because my niece was trying to, who was a teenager at the time, and she was trying to show a friend of hers, oh, my uncle's a comedian, let me show you his stuff. And so she Googled, and, you know, Wikipedia will come up and it says, you know, my name and you're divorced. And it's because some, you know, jealous small idiot was upset about it. And so that's a thing that I have to be mindful of. And, you know, and that's part of why, you know, I'm not dishing on her because that ain't what she signed up for. That's just really lovely of you. I Thank set you. up a podcast to talk about it. I'm like, well, sorry. You, you might have a different relationship and post-relationship. And I also know people who like their exes deserve that. Um, but the way that I put it is, you know, we had a wonderful love story that had an expiration date. And, you know, she's a great person. She ain't my person. And, you know, she's engaged now and you know i wish them the best and i hope everything works out well you seem very nice about all of this. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, i'm happy with my life now and you know it's it's a weird thing to say but i highly recommend divorce like divorce is wonderful if you are in a situation a lot of people don't want to do divorce 
they'll break up with someone, but they don't want to go through divorce. And it's like, it's just a breakup with paperwork. Like, come on. I think it's so nice that you're friends with your ex, like you say, and you wish them well. How do you go about being friends with your ex? Because I feel like... My divorce started amicably. You know, we both Mm -hmm. agreed it wasn't a shock to anyone. Um, And then I felt like I really needed this period of, I needed to go through the anger and like throw post address to him across the room. And then I needed to go through the sadness and sort of not talk to him for ages. And now I'm more in a place of like, I'm just happy. And, you know, I'm glad I got divorced. And I feel like if there ever was a time for us to be friends, now would be the initiation time. How did you go about the friendship? Was it throughout or did you have that break? Well, we're not, you know, we don't, go get meals together or anything. You know, I've probably seen her four or five times since we got divorced, but I still trust her implicitly. I trust her so much to the point where she, so she does data analytics for a living and she does my books. She has access to my bank accounts. Like that's how much I trust her. That is trust. Yes, because like I said, great person, not my person. And so I don't have any advice for anyone else on that because it really just depends on on what you feel about the person. You know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, someone changing your Wikipedia and horrible gossip being written about you. Yeah, but we've all dated idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, probably me more than most. How is it kind of going through something traumatic being in the public eye? You know, do you feel particularly protective of your life in that way? I have been very clear with my fans of my boundaries. And I think that for the most part, they get respected. You know, sometimes, oh, here's a fun story. There was someone on, I think it was on Bumble, who like, I get this message from my ex that says she got contacted by this girl, and she had like a fairly unique name, contacted with this girl saying that like she matched with you, and then she looked you up and saw you were married, and so she contacted me to like give me the heads up. Oh, wow. And I write back, and I say, you have, and this is like two, three years after I got divorced. And so I, you know, just text it back, and I go, you're welcome to tell her whatever the hell you want. I don't know who, I genuinely don't know who this person is. I don't. I didn't match with anyone with that name, you know, and I apologized. So then she messages the person back and goes, we've been divorced for a couple of years. I have nothing to do with this. Leave me out of it. Have a good day. So then I suddenly get a match from someone with that name. And I'm like, oh, this is someone I swiped on who had the paid version of the app so they could see who swiped on them ahead of time. Just saw I swiped, did their due diligence on I mean, imagine doing your due diligence like that on everyone who's ever swiped you. That's insane. Wow. But she Googled and apparently is very bad at Google because she Googled and one of the suggestions that would come up would be like Steve Hofstetter wife. But if you actually click on it, you can see I'm freaking divorced. I mean, my niece saw that I was divorced. Yeah. So she did enough homework to find my ex-wife's name, but not bother to do the research to be like, I wonder if he's divorced or separated. And so she mess- So then she messages me and I write back and I go, I know you contacted my ex today, which is wholly inappropriate. I have absolutely no interest in ever hearing from you again. And uh, then she like tried, you know, send another, oh, I was just checking. I was like, I don't care, unmatch, I, you're, you're done. So sometimes you gotta deal with that. 
Yeah, well, it's funny because I've been on dates before and people have clearly like read my Wikipedia and then mentioned really, because you know, anyone can update Wikipedia, as you mentioned, and put weird things on it. So they mentioned, they started mentioning weird things. And afterwards I was like, what was that? And then I discovered that it's because it's on my Wikipedia. Like, how do you not get Googled? Or do you think it's good to Google people before you date them? I won't Google unless I have like a back of my mind. Something seems off here. Let me check. You know, am I am I being paranoid or is there a thing? Um, for the most part, I don't Google anyone before I meet them. And it's funny because when I meet someone and we exchange numbers, I'll always ask for a last name. And the common response is like, oh, so you can Google me? And I'm like, no, so I can have you on my phone as a full human being. You know, so your name doesn't have the word Bumble after it in my phone because I think that's disrespectful. (laughs) No, it needs Bumble after it for the first three dates. And then once you put the surname in, it's serious. No, just put the the emoji of the B. That's the, no. So, okay. you know, I think that it's different when it's a guy because I do like that I am Googleable because that makes me less terrifying to people. I understand that when you're going out with a strange with a strange man that is uh you're literally risking your life every time and so knowing you know knowing that i have like a very extensive paper trail uh i think helps a little bit you know and i and i've gotten people being like oh you know i i don't know who you are i hope that's okay i'm like yeah it's fine it's absolutely fine like that's per oh i don't God, want that's you better <laughs> yeah i'm like i don't want you going out with me because of what you've seen or because of what you've heard or things like that I don't think about it that much because it's just a normal part of my life. I'm not famous. I'm I'm at the point where like sometimes someone will know who I am. But that doesn't mean that like they don't have to like adjust and tell their friends like now calm down. He's just a normal person. Like nobody cares. <laughs> so I probably have it easier than, you know, someone like Ben Affleck uses a dating app. I think he probably has a, a harder time well, and an easier time. I'll, depending. I'll get him on and I'll ask. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm in a harder no, time I with mean, that it... specific thing. <laughs> Easier time with everything else. No, I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we are like two privileged people talking about our Wikipedia entries. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will be able to relate to the kind of should I Google my date before I meet them? Like, do you look them up or just go for see what happens on the day? Almost everyone is Googleable. No matter what you do for a living, you know, almost everyone between social media and professional social media like LinkedIn or something like that, you know, your your company's newsletter, your whatever the hell it is, <laughs> your, the, the lacrosse team you played on in college, like it doesn't matter. There's enough things out there that the vast majority of people are Googleable. If someone is not Googleable, that's a cause for concern for me. But, you know, even though, like I said, I don't rely on it. Um, it's always weird to me when someone's like, I have zero social media. I'm like, why? What are you hiding from? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Like, what do you do when you're on the loo? If you yeah, exactly. Do you, do you, are you productive? That's weird. <laughs> you know, we all have our easily accessible pasts. And I, I think having those actually is kind of helpful because dating profiles are so curated that it's, you know, I, I like to ask someone, I don't try to Google them, but I do like to ask for their Instagram or their Facebook just to see a little bit more about who they actually are instead of who they are at the exact right angle. That is one of my problems with dating is that because I'm a comedian on Instagram, I just don't, it's not all good angles. It's actually quite a lot of really bad angles. (laughs) And then I'm like, 
when when I'm going on a first date, I don't necessarily want you to see me trying to get out of a swimming pool and looking a little bit like a beached whale with a nice view in the background. <laughs> you know, maybe save it for the second day. <laughs> but but that's also the thing. I do want people to see that, and I do want to be able to see that because I think a lot of people make the mistake of you know, trying to get as many first dates as possible. And I think the key is trying to get as many second dates as possible. Tricking someone into dating you because you showed them the best version of you is the same thing as lying on your resume. What happens when you show up for the job and you don't know how to turn on your computer? Like there's, you can't work in IT. (laughs) So there's, there's an element of honesty that I think is needed. But don't you think also to to appeal to someone, first of all, you need to show them the best and then you can sell it a bit more when you meet them with your personality? Your listeners can't see how much I'm shaking my head because <laughs> I believe that we're all... There are people who find redheads very attractive and there are people who will never date one. And I don't want to try to date that second group because it ain't going to work out. And so if there is someone who is, you know, who needs like a bodybuilder type, that ain't me. If there's someone who wants to date someone who, I mean, I'm 6'4". If if there's someone who wants to date someone who's about six feet, that ain't me. Like there are certain physical attributes I cannot do anything about. And there's also like, there are things that I want to know about other people. There are things that, you know, that I'm interested in, where if someone's entire Instagram is just them fall down drunk all the time, I'm like, well, you're gonna hate me because I'm sober and I don't go party. You know, like my, my ideal night is, you know, watching three episodes of Doctor Who. I don't want to go on a first date with someone and be like, well, but what are their good qualities? What can we match with? Because that's what leads to divorce. I mean, are you still single? Because I feel like a lot of people are going to message you now and be like, I'll watch three episodes of Doctor <laughs> Who with you. That sounds amazing. Depends on which doctor they like. I think that's a really important, that's a really important thing. But the, uh, no, I, I think that every one of us is casting and sometimes you're right for the part and sometimes you're not. And I think a lot of the problem that people have with dating and especially post-divorce is taking things personally taking not being a match for someone personally. And you can't do that. You have to to understand that like, you're not a match for them. And that's not necessarily a reflection on you. Now that said, you should always try to better yourself in life in general. But you know, it's not I hate that, like, that stupid, if if they don't love me at my worst, they don't deserve me at my best. Like, no, work on yourself. Come on. <laughs> Whoa, my worst is still very appealing. (laughs) I will have you know. (laughs) Well, as long as your worst and your best are very far apart, that's important. (laughs) Obviously, it's, again, it's, you know, hyperbole. Everybody deserves a bad day. But you still need to be a tolerable person at at your worst. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that since my divorce, I have been concentrated on. You know, one of the things is like, I don't know if I ever didn't have a roommate before my divorce. You know, I lived with parents. And then even when I had like a single room in college, I still was living on a floor with three of my buddies, you know, I having your own space and learning to take care of your own space and take pride in that space, I think is something that I learned after the divorce. I didn't start working out until after I got divorced. Um, there, There are a lot of things that I have gotten better at because I realized like, oh yeah, this is part of why it happened. And 
I don't want it to happen again. I love that. Thank you. Well, you've been a joy to talk to. Thank you so much. If anyone is listening and they're right in the midst of that kind of it's just happened, um, it all feels too much. Do you have any words of wisdom or comfort even? Yeah, there is something glorious about being single. As much as we get told we need to couple off, we need to couple off, we need to couple off, some of the best advice I got when I was considering it was I asked a friend of mine about it because she was divorced. And I was like, you, you seem okay? What's going on? And she said, the thing that people are terrified of is dying alone. When it comes down to it, we're so scared of dying alone. But the reality is, with the exception of like getting killed in an accident together, you always die alone. Every one of us does. That's being human. And even if you are on a hospital bed surrounded by your friends and family, none of them know what you're going through but you. And so when you accept that, when you accept that you are responsible for yourself from the time that you can be autonomous until the time you die, that's when you can actually find somebody else. And you need to learn that there's comfort in that. And so while it is wonderful to find your person and to find the, you know, to have those nights where you're you know, cuddling together or watching TV or going out and partying, whatever it is that you're into, there is something amazing in being able to do what you want, when you want it, have no one judge you for it, be proud of it. And if you are going through that moment of everything is bad and I'm, I'm so sad, first of all, I don't think you're mourning the person that you lost. I think you're mourning what you thought the relationship was going to be. You're mourning the ghost of the relationship. Um, but I think just a neat little activity to feel better about yourself. First of all, I very much do recommend exercise. It is very good for you physically and mentally. But also, I recommend you thinking about a restaurant that your spouse never wanted to go to. And go there. And get whatever the hell you want. And feel good about it. And think about a show or a movie they didn't want to watch. And watch it. Think about your independence and the stuff that you wanted to be independent about and do those things. Put on the music you like and you'll realize that like, it ain't bad. Yes. Yes, please. I'm going to go and put on a sequin jacket and dance around my kitchen to share now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that That's just how I spend most of my evenings though. Yeah, understandable. Where can people find you and follow you on all the things online? It's just at Steve Hofsetter on pretty much everything. If you can't spell it, Google will correct you, but I assume it's in the podcast title or notes somewhere. And uh, I put out at least three new videos every week. Um, most of them are stand up. And uh, come see a live show. I have a, I have a huge tour in, uh, in 2022. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And so uh, come uh, check out my schedule on my website. Come see me laugh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Samantha. It was a pleasure. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.